to the Riley Breakfield Show. I am your host, the one, the only, Riley Breakfield, a.k.a. Titties on the Streets. You know me if you listen. If you don't, welcome. This is a podcast where we talk mostly, you know, college football, NFL. We dabble in college basketball. We'll dabble in the NBA once the playoffs get around because nothing else matters in the NBA unless there's drama, which we got a little bit of trade line deadline, trade deadline drama we got to talk about here. I mean, you name it, we talk about it. I'm talking politics. I'm sharing my thoughts about anything that's going on in the world. I'm going to question everything. I'm going to give my opinion, whether it's warranted or not. You might hear some kids screaming in the background. Or there's kids outside that are just, I don't know, shooting each other up, maybe fighting. Who knows? Other than the hood. Let's just get to the point. Today's show. Oh, also don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm there. Um, Twitter daily, Instagram every once in a blue moon. Um, sometimes I post stories about my life, most of the time I don't. I just, I'm not a big Instagrammer. TikTok, sometimes, you know, an idea comes to my head and I post it. And, but for the most part, you know, mostly on Twitter, if you want to really want to hear about my thoughts or about what's going on in the world or get instant reactions to stuff, that's where you can find it for sure. But like I said, don't forget to like, share, subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking uh, news, quite a bit of news to talk about, you know, and then we're going to head into top five. This week, it's my top five sci-fi movie slash TV series, and then we're going to go one love, one hate, um, sticking to the same thing as the past couple episodes, college basketball, the games I'm looking at this over the course of the next week, this should be good. They're going to have huge tournament implications, conference standings implications, you name it, you know, the big stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then to close out today's show, going to be doing a little bit of an NFL free agency preview. Big names, you know, big important guys that could be out front of the market, could be big additions for other teams, could be huge losses for certain teams as well. So let's get into it. <clears throat> Hold on, i got to take a drink of my beautiful watermelon Red Bull here. Hands down the best flavor of water of uh, Red Bull other than regular flavor. I guess I prefer regular flavor, but... Every now and then I like to mix it up with the watermelon when I'm feeling zesty and spicy, you know. So, Super Bowl obviously happened this weekend. I had the Eagles winning like a lot of people did, but Chiefs found a way to get the job done, you know. Whatever you want to say, you know, that that was a holding penalty just like Joseph Asai. It, you know, it was a late hit. It's just kind of one of those things when looking at the Chiefs run here to the Super Bowl. They, they played phenomenal football down the stretch, but it does kind of damper what this Super Bowl meant, you know, I mean, you get a late call in the AFC Championship game, and you get a late call in the Super Bowl, like, it kind of almost helped you win both of them, in a sense, you know, yes, they might have still won regardless, but hard telling not knowing, so to me, almost puts a little bit of an asterisk on this Super Bowl run, nothing to take away from the Chiefs, I mean, best team in the league, they, they still won the game, they still did what they had to do to win, just, you know, looking back, many people are always talk about what those what those games meant, what those calls meant. But nonetheless, you know, it was it was an all time game, you know, could have had an even better all time finish than it did already. I don't think that a majority of America wanted to see the Chiefs win. I don't care. You know, there's some people out there that think that Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are so lovable, but they're not. They're worthless garbage. I hate them. Absolutely disgusting. That's not true. I mean, I respect what those those guys do. They're some of the best players at their position of all time, honestly, for both of them. 
but I just Travis Kelsey to me is annoying. Patrick Mahomes to me is annoying. Something about his fucking face. It just looks so punchable. And then you throw in his brother and sister, it just makes them even more punchable. Yes, I'd hit a woman if it was his wife. I'm not gonna lie. She's mad annoying. She's scum of the earth. I don't fucking give a shit what anyone thinks. Those that family's annoying, the Chiefs are annoying, Chiefs fans are annoying. So sucks the Chiefs won, but you know, whatever. Looking towards for the Eagles. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but you know, wonder how big that championship window is. They have a lot of guys that are going to be free agents on the defensive side of the ball that did contribute in big ways throughout the year. So kind of be interesting for them for their future. Chiefs, another you know, team that I think they've got to stick around here for quite some time unless they have a big injury. Um, but I don't know. Their their roster is also going to be in this some dismay when you think about it. Patrick Mahomes has a big contract that they're going to have to deal with at some point. Just so both these teams, I, I don't really expect to be back next year. Um, the Chiefs, I bet, will be in the mix. But I, I definitely think the Bills or the Bengals or even Jaguars possibly can step up and uh, take them out next year, given the right moves. And, you know, still working within the salary cap. You know, the Bengals and Jaguars both have a lot more wiggle room um, than, say, the Bills and the Chiefs do. But whatever, besides this point, you know, Rihanna, that was a beautiful halftime show. She killed it, loved her. Um, you know, she's pregnant, obviously. I thought it was a good show. I thought she did good. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Super Bowl commercials. I mean, a few good ones, but I mean, nothing really spikes my interest anymore. Like 10 years ago, they were making good, and it seems like ever since then, they just kind of have dwindled. They, they suck. They're not as good as they once were, I guess. So, But that was a Super Bowl. Didn't like it. Didn't love it. It was good. Just leave it at that. NBA trade deadline, though, obviously happened um, right after I got done recording my podcast last week, you know, a lot of that stuff came down to it. I can't remember what day it was, but, you know, obviously some of the big news um, Kevin Durant got traded in the middle of the night to the Suns. You know, that's a huge boost up for them. You know, getting his talent level, I think, is definitely going to help the Suns. We'll see how far it carries them, but I think it definitely puts them back in contender status out in the Western Conference, considering, you know, they were kind of dwindling. Um, they were kind of having a rough start to the season. So, definitely a good one for them. They do lose Michael Bridges, which I think is kind of a, a huge loss as well for them. You know, then D'Angelo Russell is now a Laker. Um, he gets traded in a three-team trade. The 10th Russell Westbrook to the Jazz. D'Angelo Russell to <clears throat> Los Angeles. I don't I don't hate the move, um, but I also don't agree with the move because I think Russell Westbrook is a lot more valuable than a lot of people realize. And then you also factor in the fact that I think that the Lakers aren't finding success because their roster is in constant turnover. There's no chemistry that's being built. I mean, you do, regardless of whether you know these guys or you play with them in the past, not everyone gels right away. Not everyone can get on the same page right away. So I do think that, you know, that is a huge reason why they don't have success. I don't give a shit who's on the team. If the, if the fucking the team chemistry isn't there, you're not going to find success. I mean, it's been proven year in, year out. It happened to the Brooklyn Nets, perfect example. Same thing's been happening to the Lakers. If you don't have the time to play together, you're never going to find success in consistently, consistently bringing in new players to try to make your team better is never, ever going to work. When you're consistently doing that, almost on a monthly basis, it seems like the Lakers are making a trade, bringing in new people, turning the roster over every year. There's just, there's just no foundation. There's just nothing there. No chemistry being built. It's just, it's been a shit show ever since LeBron's got there. And I don't, I don't see it changing until they kind of go by that need of, okay, we don't need somebody new. We just need to work together. We need to take the wing, the reins away from LeBron. I mean, the fact that Anthony Davis didn't stand up when he hit that, you know, the point 
just shows there's no chemistry there. They want to win games. They don't, they don't give a shit about the stupid record. Like, that's the point is proven, and the proof is in the pudding that they need to stop fucking trading everybody and just try to let it work for once. Maybe, just maybe, they could find some success, but they probably won't do that. Other big topic that's been going around in the sports world, obviously, new head coach hiring, stuff like that. Both the Eagles offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator both got a head coach job. I can't even remember what ones were still open, but both landed them. Um, that's definitely going to probably hurt the Eagles um, moving forward into next year. But, you know, a lot of the conversation has been for the past few years centered around Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I mean, everyone thinks that he's super qualified. You know, that what's he, what more does he have to do to prove himself? Is this racism? What is this? To me, it comes down to two simple things. Eric Bieniemy does have a bad rap sheet. He has multiple arrests, multiple like assault charges. Almost, they're not necessarily assault charges. I don't want to say the wrong thing. But I think one was threatening a woman. Just There's a lot of bad stuff in his past from when he was at Colorado and early into his coaching career. Wasn't, you know, he had some trouble. That, that happens to people. It shouldn't it shouldn't affect him getting a job. But I do think that it might possibly play some role. Um, but I, I don't really think it should play any. To me, the biggest reason is I don't think that any – GM or anybody around the league really looks at him as the offensive coordinator. Andy Reid, I'm pretty sure, took over play calling duties, if I'm not mistaken. He now calls the plays. He's now proven throughout his career that he is pretty much the one who creates this offense that allows it to work, who's the play caller, who's the the mastermind behind it all. I mean, look at his offensive coordinators in the past that have gotten hired, Brad Childress. He was with the Vikings for a little bit. Two bad seasons, and he had two good ones, and then started off really bad, out the door. Nothing you can do about that. And then you think about Pat Schumer. He had two different st- stops. Browns, Vikings, both failed miserably. Or Browns and Giants, both failed miserably. But you do look at how shitty those fucking rosters were at the time. Did he get a fair shake? Probably not. But someone who's supposed to have this brilliant mind working under Andy Reid, calling the offense, you'd think there would have been some offensive foundation to stand on there. The only one that's found success is Doug Peterson, and he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Found some success this year with the Jaguars. They're probably going to be building on that and be real playoff contenders next year. And then the last one, Matt Nagy. We all know how that turned out. It seemed like it was okay. It seemed like it was working. They made the playoffs twice, but other than that, they didn't really do a whole lot in his time there. It's kind of viewed as I don't even know what the right word would be. It's just not. It's viewed as a bad stint. So you look at those, those are four offensive coordinators that have been hired from Andy Reid's staff. Only one of them has really worked out long-term or been good. You know, when you sit back and you think about that, seeing that, that would make me a little hesitant to hire Eric Bieniemy because how involved is he in the offensive, offensive scheme? How involved is he in the play call? How involved is he in the play design? Is it all Andy Reid? Because, I mean, Andy Reid's been doing this for a really long time. And every time a young offensive coordinator or someone who everyone thinks is good on his staff gets a head coaching job, they don't necessarily prove otherwise. So to me, that's why I don't think Eric Bieniemy has been getting hired. I don't think it has anything really to do with his racism. It might have, or not his racism, with his skin color. I don't think that it really plays too much into his rap sheet from the past. I don't really think that shit factor in. It was a long time ago. He's obviously a different person now. Hasn't had anything like that come up in a really long time. That shouldn't be holding him back. To me, 
I think it's just with the lack of trust that people have when it comes to an offensive coordinator under Andy Reid's offensive scheme. I just don't think that they really are that involved. I really don't think that they are the masterminds. Like I said, that's just what it comes down to. So he's getting an interview with the commanders to be their OC. Hopefully he takes it. Hopefully we can see for sure if he's a legit play caller or if he was just a flash in the pan, just somebody who had a title underneath Andy Reid and had Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Kyrie Hill. I mean, you think about that alone. You're like, how do we know for sure this guy can really run an NFL team or run an NFL offense when he's had these unreal universal talents that are going to go down as some of the best at the position in the history of the game? Who knows? But that's just my thoughts about that. Not to all the scary stuff. Our world seems to be coming to an end. We've got earthquakes going off like crazy, apparently. I saw this on TikTok, so I'm not sure how real it is. I tried to find some info, but you know, when you go to Google, you're not always going to find the best information. That's just how it is. Apparently, there's been about 20 earthquakes on this like, span of one day or two days throughout the whole entire world that happened. And a large part of those earthquakes are um, somewhere in Turkey. Now, Turkey has, I think it was reported earlier, about 12 sinkholes that have just popped up across the country just throughout this plains area, I believe. Um, kind of weird stuff, you know. I mean, if these earthquakes are going off, it kind of feels like the end of times. You know, the sinkholes open up the pits to hell. A lot of weird stuff, you know. I talked about that uh, that theory not that long ago that the world is getting really close to an end that, you know, we only have about, I can't even remember the amount of years, but something like that, you know. It's just things are feeling weird. We got UFO sightings. We got train derailments. The train derailments is kind of a crazy one. You know, we don't often hear about these, but apparently, according to whatever the fucking website was, it's legit. There's about 1,700, I think, 14 trained elements per year. Don't really ever hear about them. You know, that's about four, that's about four and a half. The It's 4.66 something, something, something a day. So about five, anywhere between four to five trained elements a day. Recently, we've had a bunch going off. Obviously, the ones in Ohio that carried some chemical. I didn't even know how to say it, so I didn't even bother trying to write it down. That once it's mixed with water, it turns into acid rain. Absolutely terrifying. That stuff will fucking kill you and burn you alive, basically. Not something you want to deal with. Um, so that's kind of scary. You know, it's just a lot of weird train derailments all of a sudden. A very a high spike. You know, we think about the Chinese spy balloon. You know, got people worried that we're possibly World War Three. You know, Ukraine and Russia, that issue just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Then you throw in these UFO sightings, you know. There was another one in Montana, another one in Alaska, one in Canada that was in Alaska or something that Canada shot down. Um, just all sorts of crazy stuff going on, you know. And, and then on top of it, we're supposed to be getting Jeffrey Epstein's new um, list that is doesn't have anything redacted has the names of everyone that visited the island all the you know possible big time celebrities big time former presidents all stuff like that could be messy so you start to wonder if these train derailments these ufos are just trying to throw you off the scent which they possibly are because that's just what i believe i don't think if i don't think for a second if you're someone who thinks for one goddamn fucking second that our government or elite people don't do stuff to benefit them or try to control the masses and use propaganda, fear monitoring, all these things to try to control us, you're dead wrong. It's been going on for centuries. People have always wanted to have someone in control. You know, it makes you feel safer. It makes you feel better. I mean, you think about your day-to-day life. You report to your boss. Your boss reports to their boss. You know, you have to report to your parents. You have to report to your husband or wife. There's always this constant, like, 
looking to someone for leadership. It's a constant thing that goes on throughout the human psyche. It's gone on for the longest since time began, since Adam and Eve were first created, you know? So to think that people that are rich or elite or have status or have political power, to think that they wouldn't do stuff to try to throw us off the scent of something or to try to, whatever the case may be, you're dumb to think that they don't do that. And that's what I think a lot of this stuff is. I mean, like we talked about the Epstein list, that's going to be big. If there's legit names on there, big time Hollywood celebrities, big time political figures, big time, you know, business owners, stuff like that. A lot of fucking heads could be rolling. It could be very fucking fishy situation. You know, we think about there's the possibility that we're on the path to world war three, the Chinese five of them freaked a lot of people out. You know, think about these UFOs possibly, are we getting an alien invasion or are these just fake aircrafts created by the U S government to throw us off the scent of something else that's going on? I don't know. Um, I think there's something weird going on. I think it's all just weird about weird and crazy shit that's going on right now. Could be the end of times. So stay safe out there. I guess if this is the last thing you listen to before we all die, you never know. That's just, that's just how the world works. But, just a couple crazy things if you haven't heard about those, get ready. Um, once the Epstein list comes out, um, I already um, went through the old one that had names redacted and stuff like that. Um, it's going to kind of do some deep diving, try to figure out who a lot of these people are, maybe you know, shed some light on a couple here and there, you know, people that possibly deserve to die, let's be honest. So, But now for this time's, this week's top five. This week's top five, I'm doing my top five favorite sci-fi slash movie series, or, excuse me, top five sci-fi movies slash TV series, the ones I find the best, the ones that I've enjoyed throughout my life. Number one, easy for me, Game of Thrones. I, I love Game of Thrones. I just recently watched it for the second time, and it's just, it's one of the greatest TV shows ever created, man. I love the dragons. I love the, you know, the old times of knights and fucking princesses and shit like that. It's always something that I've thoroughly enjoyed and I've always enjoyed that part of history as is. So watching that show, I really loved it. I think George R. R. Martin did amazing with the books. I'm actually hopefully going to be reading them soon. Um, but just all around Game of Thrones is probably one of the best shows out there, especially when you talk about sci-fi. I mean, they have fucking zombies, White Walkers, you know, dragons, knights and shit. Just the battle scenes are awesome. The political scenes, everything about the show is really good. And that's why it's my number one. Number two for me is Harry Potter. Love the books. I read all the books when I was younger, you know, before I watched the movies and stuff, and then read the, watched the movies, and they're exactly like the books for pretty much the most part. The movies are some of my favorite movies of all time. You know, I've watched all eight. I've watched them so many times. It's just hands down one of my favorite series. Um, like I said, read the books, watched the movies, everything about it. I love it. I love wizardry. I love mythological shit. You know, they even have Griffins in there. I love Griffins, the most loyal creature throughout the entire universe. Everyone knows that for a fact. So that's why it's my number two. Game of Thrones just recently passed it up, if I'm being honest. Number three, Lord of the Rings. You know, you can throw The Hobbit in there as well, that whole universe. Tried to read the books when I was like in eighth grade or ninth grade or something. They're, t- they're a tough read for my young, stupid brain. Still are. But I did read The Hobbit. That one was a little bit easier to read. But all around, you know, I love that whole universe. I do want to start watching the new TV show they have on Prime. But I love Lord of the Rings. You know, they, they had a phenomenal cast back in the day. The phenomenal storyline. Um, the filming was amazing. Everything about that show was just, or sorry, movies was uh, amazing. And just can't, can't praise it enough, I guess. 
Number four is Stranger Things. You know, a new show. If you haven't watched Stranger Things, it's really good. I know it's about a bunch of young kids and stuff, but like, it's just an unbelievably told story. All the characters are so lovable or hateable or whatever the case may be. It's gonna be very sad once it ends, but it's already in you know my top five greatest sci-fi TV shows for sure. You know, probably even top three. Well, yeah, top three because the two that I've listed are movies. But love everything about Stranger Things. Love the story. I love the characters. I, I love the idea of it. You know, that's kind of around D and D. I've always wanted to play D and D too. I've always thought that it would be a really fun game to to play. But I do Stranger Things easy number four. Last one, number five, TV show called The One Hundred. If you've never seen this one, I know this one is as mainstream as a lot of these others are. But you know, these it's a great story. It has a great storyline. Same thing as like the Stranger Things. Very lovable characters. Very hateable characters. Everything throughout keeps you on your toes. They're always throwing different things at you. You know, so in the end of the world, people go up to space, come back, kind of TV show. Just love it. I can't speak highly enough of it. You know, I got my wife interested in it. She ended up loving it. You know, so just an all-around great show. But that is this week's top five. Now for one love, one hate. You know the rules. We love on one, we hate on the other. This week, on loving on everything about chicken. I just love to eat chicken. I love the eggs that come from chickens. I love eggs and I love chicken. And so I'm just loving on chickens in pretty much general for what they produce for us people of the world. There's so many ways you can eat chicken. So many fucking different ways. It's unbelievable. I just love the like, chicken. You never go wrong with chicken. Chicken is so fucking good. I mean, chicken nuggets, chicken strips. You know, fucking grilled chicken. You throw your chicken in a salad. You throw your chicken on a sandwich. You fucking go buy a whole chicken that's already pre cooked from Albertsons. Done deal. And eggs. I love eggs. I eat three eggs every morning, trying to get my fucking protein so I can keep building my fucking chest muscles. These big fat tits, you know. So I just love everything that the chicken has to offer. You know, it's meat and it's children for us to eat. Can't can't say enough bad things or good things about chicken. Let's just put it that way. So I appreciate you, chickens. I love you. Keep doing what you do for us, people. Pay the fuck you. Okay. Point blank. Period. This week, I am hating on having a job. Like so many other people, I have a job, right? We all have jobs. But do you ever just get tired? I know so many people just get tired of working a job just because you need money. Like the point of really having a job is honestly so fucking stupid. Most people work these shitty jobs they don't even enjoy just to have money to afford to do the things that they enjoy. Like it's stupid. The whole point of a job, like half the time, a lot of people's jobs really mean no importance to anything other than the person they're working for. And you work these, you know, you'll sit in an office all day, you know, maybe you'll sit outside and build stuff. Like, that's not a terrible job. That's a job that you feel rewarded. But a lot of people don't work construction. A lot of people don't have those jobs where you feel satisfied. You're just out there working for somebody else, making money for somebody else, just so that you can eat, keep a roof over your head, and live to fight another day. It's like an endless pit of depression. It really is. I mean, I know so many people who just hate their job and want to do something else with their life, but... You just can't do it because you have to have a job. You can't take that risk. So, I mean, if I, I, I just don't get the point of there's millions, billions of people in this world. And most of us, what our purpose is, is like just to wake up and go work a stupid job. Like, wouldn't it just be so much nicer to just wake up, do something you enjoy, wake up and spend time with your family instead of working your life away and just hoping that someday you can give your kids a good life, give your spouse a good life. 
Like, shouldn't we just be able to live a good life as is, not work some stupid job that means nothing? So, this week I'm just hating on having a job. Sucks. But, hey, we're all here, right? We're all still kicking, I guess. Let's talk a little bit of college basketball. Quite a few good games tonight as well. And I'm looking forward to the Alabama-Tennessee one. I uh, bet. I know I don't bet anymore. I can't. I can't even say my bet because I'm worried I'm going to jinx it. That's that's the deal. I probably just jinxed it already. I shouldn't have said anything. But good, quite a few good games tonight. Pretty pretty good games over the next course of the week. I mean, we got good games on Thursday. Purdue, Maryland. Um, Purdue fresh off their um, upset loss against Northwestern earlier this week on Sunday. Um, going into Maryland, Maryland's been a pretty good team this year. I, I think there's a chance for an upset here, um, but I don't know. You know that that should just be a fun one to look at. Maryland could really use that win to try to um, solidify themselves a spot in the tournament and also get a higher seeding in the Big Ten Conference tournament. So this is a really, really, really important game for Maryland. Purdue also important. You know you don't want to you don't want to keep losing. You want to try to win as many games as you can secure one seed at this point in the season. So. Should be a really fun one. Also, Utah, Arizona, Thursday night. I don't know a lot about this Utah team, but they, they were 17-9, and nine, I believe. Really good record. Really been playing good basketball, it seemed like. But, you know, I'm more just looking to see if Arizona can kind of turn on, turn it on here and uh, close out the season really hot, get themselves a one seed. You know, they're sitting eighth in the country right now. Um, more likely be in the two, maybe a three seed. I haven't looked at the latest bracketology, but they're definitely, you know, trying to put themselves in that one seed conversation. You know, Saturday once again a lot of really, a lot of really fun games to watch. Illinois, Indiana should be a really good one. Illinois is at range. Kind of had an up and down year, but they still have a ton of talent. You know, kind of same place as Utah and Maryland, sitting on that bubble right now, trying to make sure they can get in, trying to solidify a spot. Getting a win against a really good Indiana team would mean a lot for Illinois. The only problem is they gotta go to Indiana, and I just don't think they're gonna be Indiana at home this year. They've been playing too good of basketball, especially at home. To lose a game like that. Tennessee, Kentucky. This one is at Kentucky. Most main there's two reasons I'm highlighting this game. One, Tennessee loses to Alabama tonight. Not a good look. They they would have lost a couple in a row. Now I even think you know they might if, even if not in a row, like two out of their last three or three out of their last four, they have not looked that good as of late. They've kind of been struggling down the stretch. Um, and especially if they lose to Alabama at home once um, tonight, that would be a tough loss to handle. Then have to travel to a Kentucky team who's trying to fight to keep themselves in the tournament. I think the latest bracketology showed them on the outside looking in after their loss to Georgia over the weekend. So they really, really need a, a big win here to kind of secure themselves a spot, shoot themselves up, and uh, have a, have more have, just have the committee have more confidence in them being a legit tournament team. I think that they could win, especially if Tennessee loses to Alabama this, tonight. Iowa State, Kansas State should be a really good one. Iowa State 19th right now. Kansas State 12th, a battle of one team that can score the ball in Kansas State and another team that plays unbelievable defense in Iowa State. So I think Kansas State will more likely win that one because they are at home. Iowa State plays really good at home on the road. They're not. That's where they've lost all of their games this year. So I think Kansas State should be able to take care of business pretty easily. Wake Forest, Miami. Miami just had a big win on Monday night against North Carolina at North Carolina when the spread was at five and a half, so really a big win for them. Wake Forest team comes in kind of one of those teams sitting on the outside looking in, trying to get themselves a spot in the tournament, so you know, it's a really important game for them. I do expect Miami to probably ride away with that one, though. And then the big headliner on Saturday, 
Baylor, Kansas, both top 10 teams. Kansas at home. We all know how that goes. Kansas doesn't usually lose at home. So I expect Kansas to more likely win, but this should be a really fun game, a really big shootout. I do feel like the overall more than they hit in that one, um, anything over 155, I would say do not fucking touch it. But anything under that, I think, is definitely, definitely playable. And Sunday has three really fun matchups. Um, Ohio State and Purdue, you know, obviously I talked about Purdue a little bit ago, playing their game on Thursday against Maryland. Really bad spot if uh, Purdue goes out and loses to Maryland on Thursday and then having Ohio State come to town on Sunday. Ohio State has been very up and down. They haven't been that great this year. They haven't shown signs of possibly being a really good tournament team, but they've also shown signs of not really being a good basketball team at all. So it'll be really exciting to see what happens there. Um, but Purdue, if they get in a slump, man, Ohio State needs to take advantage if they want to try to get into the tournament. And then North Carolina, North Carolina State, North Carolina obviously lost to Miami earlier this week. Bad loss for them, you know, putting them in the same boat as Kentucky, kind of on the outside looking in. One big win could really push them back in. NC State being the top 25 team could really be that win. But then again, you have to take in the credit. NC State did just lose to Syracuse earlier this week. This is a rivalry game. Um, but I, I feel like, I don't really know. I just want to say North Carolina because I love North Carolina. They're my college basketball team, obviously. Um, but both teams could really use this win. NC State, not as much. North Carolina really needs it. Or else they could be on the outside looking in once a selection Sunday comes around. Last game on Sunday, Memphis, Houston. Houston's been dominant this year. Memphis has played really good. Probably can get themselves to playoffs or attorney spot. But, you know, big winning against number two team in the country would be huge for Penny Hardaway and staff. I'm kind of leaning towards possibly Memphis pulling upset on Sunday. I don't know. It just feels right to me just looking at it. You know, I just, I want to go Memphis. I want for some chaos to ensue, especially in the AAC. It's always fun. So I, I do, I do expect Memphis to come out and really put out, put out a good fight in this game. Moving to Monday, one game, Kansas, TCU, TCU sitting at 22 in the country right now. Mike uh, Miles was out earlier this week, I believe, um, so that could hamper them, you know. But Kansas, you know, with their big game on Saturday against Baylor, and then having to hit the road two days later to go play TCU, really sets up for TCU um, to get a good win on a <clears throat> Monday night, which I think that they probably will. Tuesday, Super Tuesday, loaded with four really fun matchups. We got Baylor, Kansas State, should be a really good one. You know, both these teams are gonna have tough games on Saturday couple days rest, but then Baylor hitting the road again to go play Kansas State. So they're probably just sticking around in Kansas over the next couple of days. <clears throat> Everything in me wants to say Kansas State will win this game, but if Baylor comes out and plays really good against Kansas and they don't really have to fight till the end, they'll win on Tuesday night. But if it's a dog fight, Kansas State should win on Tuesday. Tennessee, Texas A&M. This is more just talking about Tennessee staying out of a slump. Texas A&M has been very good this season, though. They are very tough to beat at home, um, so that can really play to their advantage. You know, Buzz Williams always puts together a really tough, fought, tough fighting team. No different this year. They're still trying to fight for a turning spot. I think they're on the inside looking. They're in the inside right now, but you never know what, what could happen or what could transpire. So it'll be a really good opportunity for them to get a huge win, and especially Tennessee. You know, they lose, they lose tonight against Alabama. They lose against Kentucky. Going to be in a real tough hole, hitting the road against a tough Texas a team. I really like Texas a at that point. 
Marquette, Creighton should be a hell of a game. Creighton's going to win. They're at home. Creighton does not lose when they're at home. Something about them when they're at home. I think they've only lost one game this year at home. Unbelievable at home. I don't think anything will change. Marquette is a really good team. I do like the over in this one as well. Um, depending on where it's sitting, anything under 150 is a for sure hit. You know, pushing that 152, 155 range. 152 is probably my max cutoff. I would go on that one. Then, last game on Tuesday, to finish off Super Tuesday, Iowa State, Texas. Could be a really bad spot for Iowa State. You know, like I said, they're really good at home. On the road, they struggled. They're going to be on the road at K-State on Saturday and turn around and go down to Texas on Tuesday. Going to be a couple days of travel. Going to be a tough couple days for Iowa State. Can they bounce back? Who knows? I don't think they're going to win on Saturday. And I think they might even fall out of the top 25 and going up against Texas at home. Iowa State's going to be in a really, really bad spot going into uh, early, going into the end of next week. <coughs> Two games on Wednesday. One of the highlight: Providence, UConn. Um, both teams have been up and down. Both have kind of kept themselves in the top twenty-five, though. Um, so it should be a really, really good game. Providence did beat Creighton um, yesterday, so they do have a nice win. Um, and I think they beat. They, I think they can beat UConn, but they do have to travel up to that one. Um, and I think that I do think I think Providence will take care of business and win that game. Last game, last note for college basketball. Wake Forest, NC State, you know, kind of going back to Wake Forest. If they get a big win against Miami, this game could mean a lot more, um, especially if NC State um, beats North Carolina, keeps themselves in the top 25. They fall out. Both these teams really fighting them. You know, keep their name in the conversation. At least NC State shouldn't fall too far. Um, but Wake Forest, you know, kind of sitting on the outside looking in right now, could really use a good win against a good NC State team that would help solidify their resume. So could be a really fun one to watch on uh, Wednesday night. Now, let's move into a little bit of NFL free agency talk. Just going to kind of highlight big names, you know, guys that are going to be demanding some money, guys that could be, you know, potentially great ads for budding playoff teams, Super Bowl contending teams, also, you know, big losses for certain teams. Obviously, to start out here at the quarterbacks, um, throw, you know, Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, and you can throw in Derek Carr. Hasn't been released from the Raiders yet, but more than likely will. Um, here shortly. I think he already has been actually. Just I was using PF uh, Pro Football Focus for this. Um, they didn't have him on there, but he should be up there as well. Lamar, you know, kind of an interesting situation. Everyone thinks that he's going to be back with the Ravens if they'll franchise pay him or pay him. I could see them deciding not to, though. Um, he could obviously demand a lot of money in free agency, a lot of places that could use it, you know, use him. You know, think about the Jets, the Titans, I mean, the Commanders, the Buccaneers, even. Tons and tons of teams could use him. So, Interesting to see where he goes. Derek Carr, another big name, obviously. Um, Geno should be back in Seattle. I would think Geno you know, Jones will be back in New York, um, unless those guys could get a Lamar Jackson or even a Derek Carr. I think that would be an upgrade in either of those scenarios. Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of the floater there. Um, been some talks that he could go to the Bucks, um, be their quarterback next year. I think that would work out well for them, possibly, so I don't hate that move. Um, but no, not, not too much quarterback drama right now. Um, definitely could get interesting, though, once free agency kicks off, once a possible Aaron Rodgers trade, um, anything like that, you know. Running backs, really a deep class for running backs this year. We got Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing. Saquon Barkley, who's an awesome dual threat back. Tony Pollard, who really emerged as the almost go-to back for the Cowboys this year, in my opinion. Um, Miles Sanders, a huge part of the Eagles this year. 
David Montgomery been a huge part of the Bears. You know, a lot of guys that can really contribute, change the game, can really be solid number one backs or even possible number two with Montgomery and Sanders, you know, depending on what situation you want there. I do expect Miles Sanders to be the one for sure guy that is back with his team that he was with this year. I don't think the Eagles will get rid of him. I think they'll probably pay him. I don't know how much, but I don't I don't see him not being back with the Eagles next year. The other guys, who knows? Josh Jacobs could demand a lot of money after having an awesome year that he did. Um, so somebody else could pick him up. You know, Saquon Barkley, he could want to go somewhere else where he'd have the chance to compete for the Super Bowl because I don't think you're going to have that with the Giants until you upgrade a quarterback. So definitely he's probably the, the biggest name to pay attention to in the running back class. Wide receivers really is kind of a boring class right now. Um, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, OBJ, Michael Thomas, DJ Chark, Alan Lazard. Lazard is the only one who really, I think, had a good year. Um, he really excelled and stepped up this year. Didn't have a huge impact, but he definitely progressed in the right direction, in my opinion. These other guys, you know, we'll see what happens with them. I don't know about Odell getting back into the league. I feel like he might, uh, might be done. You know, Juju didn't have a great year, regardless of what he thinks. He really didn't. I mean, he had three touchdowns. That Mahomes threw like 50. So, where's your touchdowns, I guess? Um, DJ Chark, you know, he was okay for the Lions this year. I could see the Lions picking him back up. Michael Thomas has dealt with a lot of injuries, more than likely. Um, I think he's going to move on and go elsewhere. Interesting to see if he'll kind of bounce back in his career or if he's just kind of on the downhill turn and more likely going to be done with football as a whole. So, like I said, not, not too many big names, nothing really too crazy going on there. The tight end class, however, though, is very important. Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram, Mike Jacecki, Hayden Hurst. Four guys that were very important to their quarterbacks this past year. Four guys that can really help an offense. I mean, Hayden Hurst stepped up and played huge for the Bengals this year. Evan Ingram obviously was a huge factor for the Jaguars this year. I mean, Mike Jacecki had a great year for the Dolphins, and Dalton Schultz had a great year for the Cowboys. I would think all four of these guys would be back with their teams next year. I would think that all four of these would want to pay up, but you never know. They could be great additions to other you know, contending teams. These guys are solid, legit starting tight ends in the NFL. Offensive tackles, you know, nothing, not a lot of craziness going on. By far, two biggest names, Orlando Brown Jr., obviously the left tackle for the Chiefs. His contract is up. I'd be very surprised if they didn't bring him back. They, they gave up not a lot to get him. But he was a big piece that they brought in to help fix their offensive line after that Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. And he really was a key factor on the team this year. So I'd be very surprised if they don't pay him and get him back. And Mike McGlinchey with the 49ers, he sits opposite Trent Williams. You know, he plays right tackle. So it's it. I would be very surprised if they didn't bring him back. You know, the 49ers offensive line is one of their cornerstones they've had the past couple of years. I would really think that uh, Mike McGlinchey would probably want to be back in San Francisco too. Offensive guards, you know, not a lot of big names, um, just kind of more important pieces. Um, Isaac Samalu, guard for the Eagles, he's going to be very important to get back there. Definitely going to want him back. Ben Powers with the Ravens, you know, he's a very good run-blocking guard. I'd be very surprised if the Ravens don't bring him back unless they want to change their entire offense. Um, Dalton Risner, a big, big part of the offensive line for the Broncos. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't back. And then Nate Davis stepped up big for the Titans this year. Um, I'd be very surprised um, if he walked free, but I feel like he will because the Titans are possibly in rebuild mode. If they're not, he'll be back for sure. 
centers, um, probably you know one of the most important positions in the NFL when you think about what a center does. You know, it's basically the quarterback of the offensive line. Um, just very important to make sure the ball gets the quarterback as well. You think about the importance of a center is very very important. Ethan Postick for the Browns, his is up. Um, you know, they're probably gonna want to bring him back. Connor McGovern for the Jets, probably gonna want to bring him back. And Garrett Bradbury, center for the Vikings. Like I said, the quarterback off of the line, these aren't really guys that are probably just going to walk out the door. And if they are, they're going to be going for a, a better situation, a better scenario for them, a better chance to win a Super Bowl, which should say there's a lot better jobs than for the three teams they played for. Defensive ends. My favorite position in the NFL, defensive line, because that's what I played when I was younger and I always loved it. A couple big names, though. Marcus Davenport from the Saints. Um, very important they get him back if they want to contend. Um, I could see him leaving for sure. Jadavian Clowney, he's more than likely leaving after all the drama that he had with the Browns this offseason with Miles Garrett. And, and then last one, Brandon Graham, who was obviously a huge part of the Eagles defense this year. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't come back, but who knows? Maybe he wants more money. Maybe someone else can pay him than what the Eagles can. So, well, he already has the Super Bowl under his belt, so maybe you know, he's like okay with leaving Philly for that sense. So definitely those three are going to be big names to pay attention to. Then transition to defensive tackles and Eagles taking another hit with Javon Hargrave. And free agency this offseason as well. He's very important to their defensive line. Can Him leaving could be detrimental. But like I said, are they going to be able to pay all these guys? That's where it's going to be tough for them. Deron Payne for the Washington football team had a good year this year. I would think that they would want him back. They have a really solid defensive line. I think they have one of the better ones in the NFL um, with all the talent they have up front as well. So I'd be very surprised if they don't do everything they can to get him back. Linebackers, a lot of big names on the linebacker list. Levante David, obviously, you know, the captain of that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I I could see him leaving, though, if they don't make the right move at quarterback. You know, they, they've been overpaying. They've been kind of in cap hell since Tom Brady came in. Could be a little bit of a rebuild season. I could see Levante David wanting to go chase more rings, wanting to go win another Super Bowl, wanting to be there. And I don't know if the Buccaneers are really going to be there next year. Tremaine Edmonds, a huge factor for the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, huge part of their defense. I'd be very surprised if the Bills would let him walk out the door. But, you know, same thing. A lot of cap situations going on there. Don't necessarily know if they're able to pay him. Might have other positions they feel they need to focus on. So, very scary thought about uh, Tremaine Evans not being there for the Bills. TJ Edwards, who obviously had a pretty decent Super Bowl for the Eagles. He's also a free agent. You know, like I said, they have a lot of guys that are going to have to think about paying. I mean, think about it. It's already Miles Sanders, Brandon Graham. Javante or Javon Hargrave and now TJ Edwards. It's four guys that could demand a lot of money that somebody else could pay. Could be a bad situation for the Eagles this offseason. Lane Vander Esch, obviously a big part of the Cowboys defense. So, you know, he's been there for quite a few years now. He could want to leave. I could see him leaving, but I also could see Jerry doing everything he can to make sure he gets paid. Last one, probably one of the bigger ones to pay attention to, Jermaine Pratt the Bengals, you know, middle linebacker has been there for a really long time. You know, this is where, you know, if I'm the Bengals, I look at what Jermaine Graham is and what Levante David is. I'm not going to pay Jermaine Graham or Jermaine Pratt. I'm going to go pay 
Levante David, get him to be the center of our defense. There's already a ton of talent there. It would be an upgrade. So, you know, Jermaine Pratt might get replaced this offseason, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back either because Cincinnati, he's been there since his career started. So we'll have to pay close attention to that one. Corners, no, Jamel Dean for the Buccaneers had a really good year. You know, if they want to, if they really want to try to excel, you know, they're going to have to pay him and Levante David. Don't think they can play, pay both. Um, so I could see him leaving as well. Could be a good fit somewhere else even. James Bradbury, another Eagle who obviously had the holding call, had a really good year. That's another, that's five now, you know, the Eagles have to pay. Definitely could see him playing elsewhere next year. Patrick Peterson had a really decent year for the Vikings. He still has a lot left in the tank. I think I could see him going back to Minnesota, but even a one-year deal with a you know a legit Super Bowl contender could really entice him to leave. Last but surely not least, um, safeties Jesse Bates, Von Bell, both of the Bengals. They've been quite the dynamic duo back there for the past few years. I would think the Bengals are going to do everything they can to make sure they stick around because letting those two go could be really bad for the secondary as a whole next year. And I just don't think you can let both those guys go walk out the door at this point in their careers. Jordan Poyer with the Buffalo Bills. He's been a huge part of their success opposite Mike Hyde. Um, so I'd be very surprised if they let him walk out the door as well. I, I think that he more than likely will stay with the Bills. Last one, another Eagle, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson just traded there from the Saints earlier this season. Um, but he's also going to be hitting free agency. Same thing, just another body they got to pay. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the, who they keep and who they let go because I, I feel like they're going to only keep probably 50% of these guys. Um, they got to start preparing for, you know, Jen Hurts wanting to get paid, Bucket Smith wanting to get paid. You know, they, they're paying AJ Brown. They have tons of talent on offense already. So we'll have to pay attention with the Eagles this offseason, especially. I don't think they'll be back in the spot that they were this year. But that's today's show. I enjoy you for sticking around. I enjoy you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and send to your friends. You know, anyone that loves NFL free agency, send it to them. Spread the word. I appreciate you if you took time out of your day to listen to my show. Um, it doesn't go unnoticed, and someday I will be able to do giveaways and prizes. Just got to keep grinding. Got to get this thing off the ground, and then uh, we can do some fun stuff, hopefully. But uh, that's today's show. I love you. Be safe. Be well. But for now, your boy Titties is out.